It's not another Bills podcast with John Corzilius. That guy who dropped the ball is the reason the Kardashians are famous. Kardashians because, famous. yeah, so he drops the ball. Bills draft OJ. OJ comes to Buffalo, meets his wife, and anyway, Rob Kardashian hired to represent OJ in the legal proceedings, therefore bringing him into the limelight, if you will, and yeah. subsequently his uh, reality star family. Then Pat Caprio. That's what my dad was, I was talking with my dad today, and he was like, well, I don't know how much you can practice catching. Like, <laughs> you know, he was talking about catching these ping pong balls with different spins and going to tight end university. He was like, you could get an A plus in tight end university, and this guy's still going to drop the <laughs> <ball>. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Not Another Bills Podcast. I'm here with my worldly co-host, Pat Cap, and we've got a pretty cool announcement this week. We have another full-time co-host joining the crew. Woo! We're joined right now by the man, the myth, the legend, Brandon Habermas, a.k.a. Brando, a.k.a. Brandflake, a.k.a. Brando Calrissian. What's up, dude? Any of those work. A.k.a. <laughs> Haber it 028. It is great to be here. Haber028, <laughs> Brandflake19, all caps. Don't forget that. Uh, yeah, oh, dude. That's all of his internet Brandflake. passwords. Save it. With that uh, 2.0 kill to death ratio. <laughs> well, this week wasn't fun. I think we all would have been looking forward to this a lot more if we had a, a W in the column, which I think we were all expecting. But obviously not the outcome. So uh, let's okay. let's That's look okay. at the uh, the diagnosis here and the the death certificate. Uh, Brandon, I'll start with you, dude. What, what do you think hurt the Bills the most this week? I think the number one thing on the death certificate should say Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, not Leslie Frazier, though. Uh, coaching. Leslie called a dime. Yeah, not Leslie. Leslie called an elite game, and I don't want that to get taken away from because of this game. I think it was more Sean McDermott and Brian Dable. His Offensive play calling was questionable to say the least. Uh, the consistency, I get it flows game to game. You know, yards are important. Eric Wood referenced on WGR today that Dick Duran used to say, if you can punt and down your opponent within the 10 yard line in 90% of games, the next score is that team, the kicking team. So I, I thought that was an interesting stat analytics about like defending McDermott's decisions, but you got Josh Allen as a quarterback. Go dive forward for half a yard. Don't give these trick plays right now. And Josh uh, needs to play better, obviously. But I think, you know, the way the other thing that I had for Pittsburgh, the way Pittsburgh played defense against us is is very tough because when they can blitz three or four total defensive linemen and let everybody else sit back in zone, Josh has a tough time with that. And that's been proven over his career. So hopefully we can uh, make some adjustments. And Deion Dawkins... Do something, man. Three holding penalties, man. I mean, I I don't think we had a game with three holding penalties all last year, let alone with one guy. He disappointed for sure. Melvin Ingram. He's good. Was a cheap free agent in June, which is, is surprising because he's, he's literally the guy that the Bills were looking for. And so yeah. that's a little bit disappointing to see, but he had a monster game against Deion Dawkins. And I mean, th- they said after the game that, that, you know, Dion wasn't suffering from any post-COVID stuff. Well, that's what I was anymore. thinking. Now. And uh, that's, we all had that on our minds because, you know, that's, that's tough to come back from, you know, for anybody, let alone, you know, an athlete like that. But so he said it wasn't affecting him. So I, I just, I just hope that the O-line can get some, 
that was that was my biggest thing was offensive line because you know we can get into Josh's play and stuff like that and but it, it, he had no time to throw and he didn't you know he can be he can have escapability if one side of the pocket collapses but he was constantly getting pinched in between two defensive ends and had nowhere to go and had to either get it out. That's his depth of target was lower than it was all of last year, I think. Yeah. So that's all he had time to throw. And you want to know what my my takeaway about that was, though, John? That exact specific yeah. point. So sure. if you go through and you watch the Patriots games, or you watch Aaron Rodgers, or you watch Russell Wilson, these elite quarterbacks take that play every single time. Though he forced the ball to Gabe Davis, he forced a couple other passes that he airmailed and these little five yard Duncan Dink passes, Tom Brady takes those every time and he takes what they give you. And I think Josh tried to press it. And that was part of the getting blown up in the trenches. His O-line didn't give him enough time. And there's just two plays I specifically think about the most uh, is that Davis fourth down throw. It was just not a good throw. And and then there's another one to Diggs. He missed over the top. Uh he had Diggs open on a bomb, and he had Sanders open on a bomb. Yeah, I was thinking of the Emmanuel Sanders. He had one. both of them. It's two plays. He had Diggs open, and he had Sanders open, and he missed on two deep balls. Sanders had like three steps on those guys mm-hmm. too. They were both coming down right to me. Sanders was right in front of me, and he had it. They were, he should have caught it. He should have. He should have thrown or at it. At least better. laid out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I thought the same thing, man. And it's hard too. And it's not like like you guys were saying. He does have that escapability, and that's something he's going to have. For the entirety of his career. And dude, there were literally two plays where he rushed for a first down, you know what I mean? Out of the pocket, evading pressure, and it got called back. And it's one of those deals where it's hard, you know, to be like to put that all on on Josh. And I get it, dude. I mean, you can't pass for a 79.8 passer rating every week and win. But at the same time, like there are a couple plays, and also, I don't know if you boys remember that, but I felt like that Trey Davis White interception, what the F was the deal with that? Having that thing weak. get called back, weak yeah, that's call. a, that's a very, call. very weak call for sure. Because if Trey picks that the game, goes the Bills win thirty to nothing, like not a doubt in my mind. Yeah, I mean this one, I have a harder time saying that there's like any one specific play that you could turn around. I mean, there's a there's a couple. I have one. I, mean, I have one. Even play. if you're talking about the opening kickoff, is that what you're thinking of, Brando? No, or I have you, a, I, mean, I have an interesting stat. Do you want an interesting stat about yeah, one yeah. play? Hit me. Did you know? I believe since 2010. 89.7% of teams that score on defense or special teams win that game. And yep. the Bills lost the game on the block punt. Yeah. They did. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm not like a punting connoisseur or anything, mm-hmm. but like Tasker was on One Bills Live today. And he was, I mean, and this is all from Steve Tasker. I, I've never punted a ball in my life. Did a little bit of long snapping poorly. But, um, you know, like Tasker said that usually a punter in today's game you know, we're not talking about the Ray guy, Reggie Roby years. We're talking about 2021. It's a two-step type deal. And he said that when you watch the film on Matt Hawk, he took four big-ass steps. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm not saying that I even necessarily know what I'm talking about. But, I mean, it's just one of those deals where it's like, hopefully that's something that can be corrected. But at the same time, you would think that with the analytics that, you know, most punts are, you know, that aren't blocked, you know, the guy's taking two steps, you would think that that would be something. Yeah. I would assume that it also has to do with where you are in the field. They were kind of backed up pretty close to their end zone. So, you know, that's, um, 
in, in that area, usually you get like a big punt or something like that where you're taking all those steps, you know. Yeah, put some if, you're, if, if you got your heels on the 50-yard line, you've got a one step and boom, you know, that's it. But uh, Or backed up in your own end zone if you if you have that end line. Exactly. You. So he was in that it's area one, where one he, was, out, he was supposed to have some time. It was really just a miscommunication up front with special teams and stuff like that. And there were three dudes, three dudes in the backfield too. <laughs> it wasn't like there was one personal protector. The blocking was awful. The, the blocking was terrible on that play too. And you know what that shows? They weren't prepared. And how does the special teams not be prepared? Or do they just gloss over it? Are they on cruise control in practice? So they miss their blocking schemes. That's a like, good point, man. I think I think it was a pretty well designed stunt uh, from what I saw. You know, because they they were doing yeah. the loop around. But again all those players should be accounted for. And it was, it was just kind of a spur of the moment mistake. And, you know, Heath Farwell has been around for a while. I have no doubt that he's, he's the right guy for the job and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't think we should overreact that much, but still, I mean, this is, this is not something that we saw last year, you know, and have really seen. From- you know what my, my reaction sure. to that is Johnny because of last year, the difference between this year and last year is the $2 million that Cody Bohorkas makes in green Bay instead because they saved him what a million and a half by cutting him, mm-hmm. and you got booming punts. You got the best punter in the league. You had a lot like, of practice. <laughs> you, it cost you a game. It cost you a game because you you cut him. I, I I'll push back on that a little bit. I think that if you put Corey Baharkas back here back there, that punt still gets blocked. That guy's face mask was on his foot. It was not a fingernail. That guy's you know that guy had his whole body over the punter. Like you could see that that was going to get blocked before he even swung his leg. You know and. I, I love Corey Bajorquez. Like I actually, I, I got a little bit sad watching him in green Bay, you know, and he got a lot of work cause you know, Aaron Rodgers decided to take the day off. But <laughs> I, I think that the reason that they got Matt hack, or I'm sorry, Matt Hawk. I keep saying his name wrong. Matt, <laughs> Pat's, Pat's doing the bird motion right now. Message received. Um, but they got him because what Corey Bajorquez struggled with was pinning punts inside the 20 without getting touchbacks. And to be honest, that's and he did pin Matt one. Hawk, yeah, he did pin one. I, he he had a couple of highlight punts, you know, where he'd pin it inside the one or something like that. He had a couple of bad ones too, though, and he had a block. <laughs> so they were they were looking for a little bit more consistency from Matt Hawk, and I don't think that they got that in this game. I think that I mean, on the first the first punt of the game, I think Matt Hawk put it in the end zone too. So by I, a lot, yeah, it was it wasn't close. It wasn't close, but netted about 20 yards but yeah. again like i said i'm not going to judge any one player on the first game of the season much less the punter so i mean and you know what else john what else you can judge is the steelers have an elite defense they probably have the best defensive line that we're going to see all year and uh every time we've played them it's been close so people thinking it was going to be a 30 point game it was not going to be that ever and, at all. and don't think tomlin doesn't go harder for sean mcdermott than anyone else because they've been going at it since they were at william and mary you know and i you know much like love football is a game of inches and i i mean i think like you know but i mean the bills were about two outstretched one quarter fingertips away from blocking a punt on that first punt of the game if you remember like i don't know it's it's hard because like we could it could have very easily gone the opposite way and we blocked that first punt and they don't block you know our punt so and uh, Johnny we had that conversation too when Johnny Hacker got the job in Los Angeles do we bring Bojo back but yeah yeah like you said I'm not I'm not about to throw the punter under the bus after one game right right exactly and like you said Brandon I think that um I think that the Steelers defense is not only elite but they're a tough matchup for the Bills because they're able to get pressure 
and they were covering really well in the back end. Nobody really got open. They were not, you know, they were daring Josh to throw the five yard outs and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's all that they were giving him. There was almost nothing open downfield. So, I, I mean, give them credit. They did a good job. You know, they came to play and they looked more ready than the Bills did. And, you know, there, there's some, you know, you can say that one play took it one way or the other. I'll also say that the Steelers kicked a lot of field goals when they had goal to go situations. So, and honestly, I would, if, if we were on the other side of that, we'd be criticizing Sean McDermott for not taking those and going for it on, you know, on the two fourth and goal on the three fourth and goal. Tomlin kicked both of those. Yeah. But how about our defense for stopping that? Oh, dude, Milano, that tackle on Najee right there for the second field goal. Great defensive line. Our defense, our goal line defense might be one of the best in the league, hands down. Yeah. It's looking like it. And, you know, once they get star back as well, that'll be another thing. You know, he's, he's your star Brando. (laughs) Yeah, he was not a star this week, man. He was not a star. I think Terrain Edmonds played good though too. Our, our D line, he uh, looked he looked great, yeah, yeah. for sure. The other part about the way Pittsburgh played Buffalo with their defense, like you said, did you know Josh is two and eleven went down by ten points or more at any point during the game? I did not know that. I thought it was a little bit more of a comeback hero. He has eight. He has eight fourth quarter comebacks, but they're all within a touchdown or less. And the two that he came back from behind from minus 10 points were against the Jets when they got down 16 nothing, And the Dolphins, I believe, he came back. No, that's true. I mean, even that Rams game, we were up by 24 points at one point. But I, it's just one of those deals, man. I wish, why the hell can't we rush three guys and get pressure? Like, why? It's like, you ever watch um, Arrested Development where... George Blue Sr.'s crying, and he's like, why does Oscar have hair and I have money? Why can't I have money and have hair and Oscar have nothing? Like, <laughs> you know, I just... And that's that's a mark of an elite team. Like, the Buccaneers won. I mean, obviously, they were rushing four guys. But Steelers kicked our ass rushing three dudes the whole day. Like, I don't know. That's how you Casey beat elite Hayward. teams. It's how you beat <laughs> the elite teams. You don't rush more than four. That's how Patriots lost the Super Bowl, which are the Giants both times. It's how Kansas City lost. It's the only way that you can beat these superstar teams, I think. And look at all the investments in the D-line. First round pick after first round pick after second round pick after first round pick after free agent after free agent. Like this is this is a lot of draft picks and a lot of free agent money. And why it's not working out the way that it should is it's questionable to me, man. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. Cause it's like, as much as I'm excited when I see Jordan Poyer about to bust through on a free safety blitz, it's also like, I mean, if, and I guess that's, it's a testament to the greatness of Casey Hayward. Cause like he was getting double teamed all game and just still clogging holes, making tackles, like, and fun fact, my dad was like, you know, that's Ironhead son, Ironhead Hayward, a great player back in the day. TJ Watt, even his strip sack. I think, uh, it, it was more Josh's fault than it was TJ Watt really winning because he rolled out and broke contain and the blocking was really good until he started to move and then TJ Watt was like, I got this angle right here. I'm yeah, go no, I mean, ass. he did. Yeah. He made the tackle across the field from where he started. Yeah. It's like, I hear, here, thank you for $100 million. I'm going to do this now. <laughs> and I felt like he was probably a little bit upset because did you hear Sean McDermott the day before the game? He was like, yeah, JJ Watt down there in Pittsburgh. He's the uh, highest played defensive player. Now, like he said his name wrong on purpose. Like, I think that probably lit a fire under him a little he bit. Probably, he probably put that newspaper material, you know, posted on the <laughs> lockers. All right. So how does this, how does this affect um, your guys' optimism moving forward. And I, I say optimism because we're, we're Bills fans. We're always optimistic. We made it through 17 years of the drought thinking that we were going to make the playoffs every single year out of those 17. So 
based on we we put in our record predictions last week how does how does this move the needle for you guys pat i'll start with you i had them at 12 and 5 so i mean pretend i i think we could drop four more games potentially i mean i don't want to and thank god we don't play in like the afc north like god all four teams of those you know all four teams are great and thank god we don't play in like the nfc west like i mean there's a lot worse conferences we could be in well better conferences i should say but that's true i mean i would i would say that and you know, I, I don't know what it's going to look like this year but i said i would say last year playing in the nfc would have been a gift because i thought that for for the vast amount of the regular season last year kansas city was the best team and it seemed like the top tier of the afc would would outclass the top tier of the NFC. You know, obviously the Super Bowl was a different story, but I mean, I, I would push back though and say, I mean, you look at the NFC West, man. All four of those teams could be playoff teams, and I know I I've doubted you, Kyler Murray, for a long time, and I'm sorry, bud. But I mean, the Cardinals—they're a good team. The 49ers there, and people forget they're in the Super Bowl two years ago. You know, obviously Seahawks, Rams, like you know, cream of the crop. So. I, more so i think it would it would be a gift if you were in the nfc east again but. yeah 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 i think it's a different story this year than it was last year because you've got two teams in there honestly three teams but that's got to be the most improved division because san francisco was so down with injuries last year like they didn't even have a fighting chance with all the injuries you know seattle had kind of a down year relatively they were still good but and, you know, Arizona, rookie quarterback coming up. They've got all these, you know, they've got J.J. Watt now. Chandler, Chandler Jones is playing lights out. Oh, dude, what, what do you have, four five. sacks in that game? Five. Five, yeah, five. five yeah. sacks. He's from uh, Union Endicott High School, Binghamton, New York. Shout Syracuse. out, Western New Yorker. Yeah, Syracuse, yeah. And then you've got the Rams, too, who've got who've picked up Stafford, you know. So I, I think that they're going to be much improved from where they were last year. You know, you're forgetting one thing that is true whether it's in the AFC or in the NFC and it's in a conference of its own and I don't even want to say his name but his name is Tom Brady and nobody you can you can say all you want about who's the top of what conference but at the end of the day you got Tom Brady to get through whether you're playing in the AFC or the NFC for the Super Bowl or to go to the Super Bowl or to win your division so you have to get through that man first hopefully for like one more year and then he dies (laughs) yeah or at least like maybe there's a negative reaction from the tb12 formula i mean the dude's eating like soy pills every day how much (laughs) avocado ice cream can you eat like i felt so bad for him even in that subway commercial he's like i can't eat it it looks so good but i can't eat it like come on tom you can eat a fucking subway sandwich not gonna you know but then like i've seen pictures like they showed a picture of aaron Rodgers and ben roethlisberger at 38 and like they looked like 38 year old dads and then you see tom brady at 42 and he looks like he's like he's better than he did Oh, he's 44. He looked like he looked better than he did when they drafted him. So it's like, I, I mean, he doesn't age. I don't know. Yeah. Brandon, what about you? Uh, how does, how does yesterday affect, uh, what, what your final record prediction was? Where, where did you have him before? I don't know if we got you on record. Between 11 and 12 wins, 11 and 13 wins, you know, with the extra game, I don't think it changes them too much. For me, what makes me worried is the way that this team is built, you know, offense, offense, offense. Every time we watched them hand the ball off, we're kind of like, are we taking the ball out of Josh's hands? Are we taking the ball away from Stefan Diggs? And it's like the better the defense gets, I don't want McDermott to like revert to be more 
conservative and and he did it in the chiefs game he's done it against these good teams where he's more of field position i need the field goals and and, and you don't want to see i want to see the defense show that they are elite but i don't want mcdermott to be like we have an elite defense let's punt on fourth and four from the 40 yard line we got tyler best let him kick a field goal at least but i don't want to see these coaches revert and you want to wonder if Brian Dable has anything to say about that because when he says they want to run more efficiently and you see these trick plays and these, you know, Singletary didn't have a bad game, but I don't think that Brian Dable is going to be the guy that, you know, tells McDermott no. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to be like, yes, coach, we're just going to run the ball third time. So we'll see how that works out. If they switch their philosophies around a little bit, I might see their ceiling come down, but uh, I would stay somewhere between 12 wins. 12 wins is my sweet spot. So, so no, it, it doesn't change your outlook on the season, basically. Correct. It could. It could. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's good. And I think that's, that is a very level-headed reaction to, to what we saw. And again, like, I would not expect their philosophy to change. I think that I would, I would hope, we did see shades of McDermott, but you can question every single decision in hindsight. I mean, they went through it. They went for it on a fourth and eight and didn't go for it on a fourth and two. And so, you know, if you take any of those decisions in, in a vacuum, you could definitely put them under a microscope. But again, hindsight is twenty twenty. when, when you're talking about that stuff. The lead up to those plays all matter, I think, because the penalties were involved and the, the flow of the game changes game to game. And I think McDermott's been pretty good about showing he can adapt. And I, I hope he just stays that way. And there's some bad pass interference penalties too. But um, just to push back on what you said, Brando, a little bit, I mean, yes, McDermott, uh, just even from a fan's perspective, it does make the games less interesting to watch. But I mean, we broke the Patriots streak running the ball like 30 times last year, you know, and that's one of the things too where, I mean, I think the Matt Breida experiment, I, I'm wondering, do you, that's what my dad wanted to know. Do you do you start? He he said, "Ask Brando what he thinks. Should uh, Matt Breida shoot up, or uh, do we bring Zach Moss back into the mix?" But um, I don't know because that's that's another thing too. It's like, I, it's it's hard to say because we have we've leaned we've leaned on those guys, well, Singletary and Moss specifically to win games in the past. I mean, and those games were ugly. Like I mean, like you said, it definitely brings us down a notch. But like, there's going to be times where we're going to have to run the ball 25, 30 times in a game to win it. Like every team does. Clyde Edwards, Elias had to step up before Rojo, Leonard Fournette. Like you can't just. I don't know. That's what that's what scares me a little bit. I don't think you. I mean, it's nice to be able to run, but I mean, we're in 2021, dude. You never have to run. You can you can drop back 50 times a game. And if your O line can protect your QB, I, I'm more worried about the offensive line. I'm not worried about, you know, it'd be nice to have an efficient run game that can complement that it will actually, you know, take a take a notch off the defensive line so they're not just putting their ears back and rushing every single time. I think if you have to run, like you just said, Pat, I, like you, I got to push back because the Bills should dictate the game themselves. They are an elite class of players. They have the talent to go spread and get a mismatch on any single defense in this league. And you do not want somebody to dictate the game to you, right? Let Josh go out there, be the sheriff. Let him, let him use that gun. Even if he's like spraying it all over the place, let him rein it in, but don't, don't fall into their game plan. Cause that's what they did with Kansas city. And they didn't score out. They didn't score points. Kansas city was like, Josh, take the dink and dunk. Pittsburgh was like, Josh, take the dink and dunk. And he doesn't take it and he's pressing. And, you know, I think that's going to show his maturity is if he starts to do this, if the defenses play him with those two high safeties over the top 
is he going to be able to evolve? Yeah, for sure. Fingers crossed. All right. So we had a, uh, we had a Twitter poll up today. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, the question we posed was how do you usually respond to Bill's losses? Um, option one was staying off Twitter. Option two was unwavering optimism. Option three, overreacting via Twitter. And option four is assuming the fetal position. So, Patty, I'll start with you. What what did you do yesterday after they lost? Like, how do you usually cope with these Bills losses? Because I don't I don't know about you, but it is like it's it's tough. Like I, I I myself usually go through some variant of the seven stages of grieving, where you basically start with anger and depression, and then you end up coping and bargaining, and and eventually get to this place where you can sit and do a podcast, I guess, but. But what's it like for you? Well, I mean, usually I try to stay off the... Because my dad loves my dad loves post-game when they lose. He just loves to, like, you know, just compile things to bring back in hindsight. But I'm the type of person... I can't even listen to it, dude. Mike Shope. And then, you know what I mean? I, I like it, bud. But, like, you know, him and Bulldog, if they win, they're riding high. But if they if they don't, it's one of those... I can't listen to it. I can only listen to post-game after a win. And, you know, I just, I turned everything off. I put on Thriller by Michael Jackson. I would not stay for the Sunday night football game. I was like, dad, I can't do this. And uh, yeah, I put on Thriller, drove home, felt a little bit better, did more work to spite my boss out of anger than I had to do probably. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I refused to watch any media the week after a loss. <laughs> One of my least favorite parts about post Bill's losses is not wanting to watch more football. Cause like after they win, and you've got four o'clock games and the Sunday night game looks good. And then, you know, now we've got a Monday night game. I just, I need like a full three, four hours to recover. I'll go outside and, you know, mow the grass or something like that, like Howard does. But Brandon, what about you? How do you cope? I mean, you got to work. So I guess that's, that's a distraction. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> it, it makes the games totally different. Cause right. Like I'm pushing the Pittsburgh fans out. And he's talking shit to every Bills fan that walks by. I'm like, bro, we're going to get jumped here, man, if you keep saying stuff to every single person as we walk down the street. Uh, but if they win, you know, everybody's so happy and it's a big party. But I, you know, I'm Mr. Optimism. I am Mr. Brightside. Literally. That's me, man. And I when we want were in the- a band back in the day. We used to play a, an assortment of strange covers, but <laughs> every time we would play Mr. Brightside, we'd literally say this is for our friend, Brandon. And, That's um, me. He is a very optimistic dude. I sang Mr. Brightside at karaoke for the first time ever. Was Recently? Time. Yeah, like a month ago. I want, uh, I want video footage of that. I'll send it to you. <laughs> it's so bad. No. Patty, you want to you get into our salute to the standout of the drought here? So, boys, I'd like to uh, give a big shout out to Mr. Nate Clements, uh, 2004 Pro Bowl selection. Had a crazy year. Dude had six interceptions, a pick six. Five force fumbles, 73 tackles, three tackles for loss. I mean, his Bills stats themselves are pretty, pretty damn impressive. I mean, dude had, let's see here, 23 picks as a Buffalo Bill. But, I mean, you know, he, he had 466, 446 tackles. And, you know, I played a long time with the Bills, you know, seven years with the Bills. And then, you know, three years with... Uh, you know, the old San Francisco 49ers, but had some great times. Nate Clements, Terrence McGee, back when we had elite corners on both sides, you know, definitely stand out. Six picks in one year, five forced fumbles as defensive back. 
Big ups to you, Nate Clements. I actually remember the year after he didn't sign back with the Bills, ironically enough, he had a big, like, well, I don't think he was the one that blocked it, but there was a block kicked and he took it back as a member of the Niners. And I remember just having some serious lament right there. But my favorite yeah. Nate Planet. Nate Clements play. I already know what you're going to say. Because when he murdered Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, no, that's oh, true. Yeah. I mean, that'll be that, that also. I, I didn't want to, I, I kind of wanted to toss that up to you boys. But if you uh, actually on Vine, they had some great, they had some great Vines of that hit. But um, yeah, no, that's true. Also did lay a huge hit on Tom Brady. So thank you for that, Nate. Almost had to have old Drew Bledsoe suit up. I bet he doesn't even like. You know his crazy diet, right? Do you think he says to his wife, I can't eat that. It's not in my diet. At least once a day, dude. At least once a day. I used to date a girl who's a vegan sweet girl, but um, yeah. People with the dietary restrictions, they let you know. <laughs> dude, Tom Brady was probably going to a restaurant like, yes, I can only have one piece of whole wheat toast with um, one four-ounce scoop of avocado and you know can you give me some uh protein soy pills on the side with a, a glass of water distilled like he, he might have seven super bowl rings but giselle deserves a real man you don't think you don't you don't think that giselle's on the same diet i mean she she does look real fine i would bet anything they're they're waking up with avocado toast together true true and i mean not to spite you tom brady but your wife does make more money than you so you know <laughs> oh that's hilarious all right, let's let's move it forward to next week because I'm I'm already past Steelers week. I don't know about you guys, but previewing Dolphins, squish the fish game coming up next week. Uh, what do you guys think the Bills need to do against the Dolphins to get a W? Where what what position group or just overall do you think that they really need to improve on for next week? You know, we're playing the Dolphins. Back in the day, it used to be a big deal. Jim Kelly comes to town. Dan Marino comes to town. Guess what? Dan Marino got squished. And guess what? We went through the drought for 17 years. These games meant nothing over the course of time. The rivalry went away. And then guess what? We got the sheriff, the small town fireball boy who lights fires in Miami. He burns down their city. Let Josh cook. I don't care if he had a bad game this week. Josh torches the Dolphins. He's going to come out. He is going to set fire to Xavier Howard, the cornerback who wants more money. Guess what, buddy? You're not going to earn it today. Go back home. You're not going to get it today because Josh is going to come out and kill you. I'm sorry. I'm not murderous. I'm not a murderous person. But he's going to light you up. So like, he's him and, and Stefan Diggs, I expect a touchdown next week. So I, uh, I just, Josh has lit the Dolphins on fire and he's going to continue to do that. And he's my key to the game. He's never he's never lost a game to the Dolphins in his professional career. Yes, he has. He's one he's one Charles Clay drop away from being perfect against the Dolphins. I mean, was it a bad throw? Or was it the drop? Either way, it was a rookie Josh uh, moment. Oh my gosh, there's no use arguing. He drove him down the field. That's this is like arguing about should the Bills have lost to the Oakland Raiders when they were nine and seven. I don't I don't need to have this conversation. <laughs> but it was a good moment for Josh because ever since then it's just been torched earth path straight to south beach man and like, well he still had a great game against the dolphins he still i mean but yeah his stats are are lights out against the dolphins so i expect nothing less this week and uh but yeah patty what about you what do you think yeah i agree with brandon you know not saying that we can necessarily pick on Xavier howard but like 
at the same time, I just think we have to come out and, I mean, like you guys said, it's 2021, you pass to run, you don't run to pass, but, you know, just come out and, you know, like, not force anything, let the plays come to us, but also at the same time, you know, be more confident with, with taking risks. And when it comes to Tua Tungavailoa, I mean, when we got the heat on him last year, he was, he was a different player. And obviously it's not last year, and I'm sure that's the only thing that does kind of worry me is that, I mean, that beatdown week 17 was so bad last year that, like, I mean, you got to think they're going to have some, you know, a bad taste in their mouth. But I don't know. It really depends on how much pressure we can get on Tua and, you know, how well we start out of the gate, I think, too, because we really started slow. Um, So hopefully 17 points or more at halftime, I'd feel good about it. I I think it's really going to come down to uh, up front in the trenches. Like the offensive line has got to get their stuff together. If they don't, you know, then we're going to be in for a long season. You know, I I know that Pittsburgh's defensive front is one of the best in the league, but I mean, the Bills were not just mediocre this past week on the offensive line. They were like, I think, I don't think any of them even got like a PFF passing grade. Not that that matters for anything, but if that's any indicator, it, it, it was just a rough week. So I'm looking for them to bounce back and hopefully the D line to even have a little bit more of a breakout because. They had a pretty good game, but I, I think that they were going against the Pittsburgh offensive line that had a couple of backups and um, I think a couple of rookies as well. Fourth round rookies. Yeah. Starting. So if 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 they didn't look phenomenal against that line, I think that they still need to step it up a little bit to look good against you know the the Dolphins front as well. The gentleman that I was talking to from Pittsburgh that was in my wheelchair at the game. I brought up the fact that they didn't have a good offensive line and the only one that they had was their worst one from last year returning. And he kept saying to me, he was like, dude, they got new players because last year's was bad. That doesn't mean that they're going to be bad this year. They got rid of these players to improve. So they expected the local Pittsburgh people expected the offensive line to be better because they weren't the same. They wasn't continuous rollover from the year before. And I thought that was interesting because I was looking at the new offensive line to be a weakness, not a strength. And it turned out they played better than ours. I mean, we did have some, we did have some players step up though. I mean, Mario Addison had a big sack um, in the first half of the game. And I felt like Greg Rousseau, you know, he didn't disappoint. He had some good tackles. He had a tackle for loss. Um, but, I, and it's hard too. I get what you're saying, Brando, because it's like the Castro and Pouncey, they were there 10 years. You know, it's not like, you know, it, it, you're going to regress over the course of 10 years. So I, I definitely get that point. All right, let's uh, let's finish it up with some some Bill's superlatives. Try to put a light note on this uh, like frustrating week, to say the least. But looking forward, fingers crossed. But anyway, first up, we got most likely to have a late night talk show. Brando, who you got? Coming up next, this evening broadcast will be presented by Leslie Frazier. He is the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, and he comes to break down one of Bob Ross's paintings. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Obviously, it's going to be Leslie Frazier, the man. He is just an amazing creature. The way that he coaches this team, the way that he played as a player, his things that he values, just, you know, he, I think he would make a fantastic talk show host. Did any of you listen to his after the game comments? Yeah, no. I, did you see Matt Perino's tweet? No, I was going to reference Bradley Gilbert's tweet. I th- I think that it might have been Brad Gerber. Go ahead, go ahead and read it. I think it's the one that I that I saw. Go ahead and read through that. 
how Bills coaches respond after a loss. McDermott, I need to review the tape. Brian Dable, Josh will tell you it starts and stops with him, but we all need to be better. Leslie Frazier. Sometimes one must drift out to sea without a raft in order to understand the adversity that they are capable of overcoming. Did he really say that? No, no. He's just, he's so poetic. I, I love listening to <laughs> Leslie Frazier talk. One of one of his say, sayings that I love is he's like, yeah, Jordan Poyer is the, the straw that stirs the drink, man. And it's crazy to think like him and Mike Singletary were straight maniacs on the football field. And then like <laughs> you get those two guys in a post, you know, post game conference and you'd think that they were poetry buds with Deion Dawkins. Like, you know, for sure. Pat, who you got most likely to host a late night talk show? I'm only saying this because um, they asked John Feliciano, who was the biggest jokester in the locker room. And he said, Mitch Morse. So I imagine Mitch Morse, you know, maybe on one of those 1230 12 o'clock adult swim show, you know, maybe reminiscent of like workaholics or the man show with Jimmy Kimmel. If you remember that, um, you know, I see him in kind of a crude buddy comedy type, uh, type deal, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, like, um, James Corden. I see him as like a dirtier James Corden, you know, kind of making some off cuff jokes. Dude, I had Trey white for this one. I, uh, Trey white would be so entertaining to listen to host. Like he, as this is late night talk show. I think that he should host SNL. Like that would be absolutely hilarious to me. I just like listening to him talk about his goalie Academy. Exactly. Yeah. Cause he has no idea anything about hockey, but he just loves it so much. <laughs> best, best goalie in Louisiana state history. I think he'd be good in the booth too, man. Like Trey white calling a game with Tony Romo. Like I, I would turn into that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. Next up, we got most likely to host jeopardy. Obviously there's only one man on this team that could host jeopardy. It's Josh. He's the top dog. He's the sheriff in the room. You could see him getting his nice beard, looking fly as F in a suit with that yeah. comb over, <laughs> being all polite. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jeopardy. Now, Reba, it says on here that you have three cats at home. Would you like to talk about them? Yeah, like uh, he's gonna, he would do a great job with it. And I think if you saw Aaron Rodgers do it, the precedent's there. And, and Josh and Aaron, they can be kind of similar on the field, I think. And I think if Josh can get a Super Bowl wing, look, at, look for him in that retirement role. I have a loose guess for who the character Reba is based upon, but we'll leave that out. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen no. the TV show Reba? Reba. She's like that. No, I've, I've seen the Reba TV show on the country music television channel. <laughs> it's like yeah. um yeah. but I, I agree with you brando josh very approachable dude and i think you literally do have to have a comb over to host jeopardy i think that is one of the one of the qualifications you need a master's degree you need four to five years of experience and you need a comb over <laughs> pat who you got uh i would say mr Dion dawkins you know he's a renaissance man and do a lot of things. You know, he'd be breaking down that literature category. He'd be breaking down that institutional racism category. He'd be breaking down a lot of categories, man. He's a smart guy. You know, the only thing is that kind of like you were saying about Leslie Frazier, he might get into one of those like intellectual tangents where he's just like just using metaphors and the people are just lost and like the Daily Double's <laughs> expired and he hasn't read off. Like, <laughs> I, had, I had Harrison Phillips for this one. I, I thought I thought Horrible Harry would... Uh be good he's a man of the people he's always he's always getting out there i i I think it'd be good i think he'd look good in a suit he's a stanford man too you know they don't they don't just they don't just turn out any any type of scrub man you know 
that alone would be criteria to host Jeopardy. <laughs> All right, last last one we got here. Most likely to start themselves in fantasy football. I don't know if you follow any of these Bills players on social media, but Isaiah McKenzie seems to really enjoy highlights of himself. He had one good return. He had a fair catch that he did not catch, and he let the ball roll all the way back down into like the six-yard line, and he just sat there and said, like, my bad, my bad. Yeah, it's your bad, bro. You, you messed up. If you lost, you shouldn't be posting your highlight. One highlight. You got three points from your return there, buddy. Your jet sweep, that jet didn't take off from the airport. You must have been out of gas. I just think that you would start yourself and watch your highlights all day long. I'm sorry, bro, but... I do like you as a punt returner, but I just, dude, I can't. I, I love Isaiah McKenzie. I do too. And I, I just, I saw seven posts onto his story of his own return. I'm like, do you, you love yourself, man? That jet didn't take off because the offensive line missed a block as well. That was, that was an American, that was an American airlines flight that was doomed to never take off ever or spirit spirit airlines. <laughs> we call those mechanical, mechanical delays. Uh, we need to switch your airplane because it's going to crash. <laughs> But Isaiah got on it anyway. I was thinking on the uh, Isaiah McKenzie note since we're here. Now tell me what you thought about this. Isaiah McKenzie fielded a punt and then he came up limping with his shoulder. But dude, I could have sworn from the angle I was watching, it looked like the tip of the ball hit him in the nuts. I mean, that could be. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I definitely I thought it was that. a testicular um, injury, not necessarily a uh, shoulder injury. It looked like it looked like he like caught the ball, like cradled it in his gut, and then it just like straight, like just emasculating ball shot ball shot i thought he hurt his shoulder (laughs) from when he waved for a fair catch too hard (laughs) i don't know i guess we'll never know patty patty which one of the bills players do you think would start themselves in fantasy football well these are all professional guys they're professional boys they want to make money i mean if you're trying to win your fantasy league in your buffalo Bills skill position player you're probably not going to start yourself if you want if you want to win money in the league (laughs) at least not this week I'm pretty sure it, it crosses some gambling rule lines, but it's all hypothetical. But hey, Dig Dig still had nine catches though. That was his over was six, so you know yeah. he bet his over. Yeah, they they targeted him. They're not going away from him, which they shouldn't. So. That's a legit thing, though. You literally. That's why. Um, there's a couple guys that literally. Well, Pete I was Rose. thinking Pete Rose has bet on himself a bunch of times too, and my dad was saying like, well, didn't. Evander Kane bet against himself yeah, a couple yeah, times, he did. didn't he? He threw, he yeah, threw some scores. Dumb, he's dumb as bricks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't do it though. It's literally like you'll get a ban from the NFL. Like in my dad, he races horses, and he's like, you literally can't bet on yourself. You can't bet on a horse that you've trained. You can't bet on a friend's horse that you have inside information on. Like, I don't know. What about you, Johnny? I, I had Stefan Diggs. I mean, he he'd be the only person making a wise decision by starting himself, essentially, but. I think I think he's got that confidence. Well, I think Bill's defense probably. Bill's defense might start themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I actually, that's fair. they I, definitely would start themselves. I I, I had the Bills def- I have the Bills defense in our fantasy league actually, and they they kind of disappointed this last week. I mean, they they did good on the field. They didn't score that many fantasy points because they didn't have any takeaways. But it's giving up the touchdown on special teams because you have their defense and special teams. Correct. Oh, yeah. So you get I minus points for that. that. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for this episode because my laptop's about to die. But thank you guys for coming on. Uh, Brando, we're, we're excited to have you. Um, I'm excited to be here, this sir. This will be fun going forward. Maybe we'll get another episode in this week and do some more yes. fantasy talk because we're on a league together and we need to do our our, our, our <laughs> talking somewhere. So 
fantasy talk. I bet a lot of sports. Oh, that's dude. Brando was saying you should do Brando's bets, which would be a great segment. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I I think we should do it. We we ran into the problem that we're doing this podcast on Monday nights, releasing Tuesday mornings, and the and the lines don't come out until later in the week. So we'll either have to start dropping twice a week, or or we'll have a separate podcast called Brando's Bets. (laughs) Fantasy football Fridays, Brando Bets segment. I can tell you this week. Bad bets brought to you by Brando's bets <laughs> is the Bills money line bet. You think, oh, they're not going to lose by more than six points. So that you know they might, the Steelers might cover, but the Bills are going to win. So you know, there's just forty two dollars in the pooper. <laughs> oh man! All right, well, I'll see you guys here at least next week, maybe a little bit before then. But until then, keep it optimistic. You know, we need to. We're we're pros at that. We made it through the drought. We can make it through a week, but. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, boys. The drought left us dry, but there is moisture in the future. Nice. That, we Goodbye, go. folks. We'll put that in the, in the liner of the next <laughs> Goodbye, episode. Goodbye, <laughs> Yes. All right. Let's... Oh, also, <laughs> if you're listening, follow us on Twitter at Not Bill's Podcast. Extremely mediocre tweets, but we could use the follow. So, you know, do that. Tell your friends. <laughs> yes. Tell all your friends. Your friends, friends, your friends, moms. Your friends' dads, your friends' grandpa, just let them all know. Even if you're, even if he's gonna forget.